0: Brothers and sisters, what should you do when what you believe about God, when what you know that he's done in the past, seems to conflict with your present experiences? How do you respond when he brings suffering for reasons unknown to you? When things are bad and God lets them get even worse. When His promises and His care seem forgotten. These are really big questions for one evening. But these are necessary questions because this is our road on earth as Christians, as pilgrims, as His sheep. And God's people in the Old Covenant wrestled with these very same questions as well. And it found expression here in Psalm 44, by the sons of Korah. At this time, God was bringing defeat and humility. God was bringing affliction and oppression. And quite honestly, as they go on to say, it it felt as though he was asleep. And he did not care. He was unaware and and not concerned. And so the plea towards the end of this song is, God, why do you hide your face? Why do you not even look and seem to not even care? It's a shocking but brutally honest question. Why, oh God, our God, our good God, why have you taken away your blessing? Your smile. Why do you seem distant? Why have you brought affliction? Some of you here tonight are familiar with such pleas of the heart. Such questions and struggles. And you feel or you have felt in the past or or you may feel in the future. Like they say in verse 25 that your soul is bowed down to the dust. Your soul is bowed down. God, you say one thing, but the opposite seems to be true. I see and I feel something so different, and it hurts. And yet this psalm is so comforting because God knows, and God understands, and he's not left us without help. He has given us his word, he's given us psalms like this that... That help prepare us and lead us through these times by showing us how to process this world and our experiences with faith and with honesty and with turning to him and not away from him. They give us these very words to use back to God in seasons of suffering, crying out to him, laying it all out before him. And ultimately putting our hope in His redemption and in His Son, Jesus Christ. And so, people of God, Psalm 44 teaches you and demonstrates for you tonight that when God hides His face, when that is what you are feeling, and this is not an uncommon feeling, when God hides His face, you must cling to Him and cry out to him in faith. Now that's the call and the encouragement from God's word to each of you tonight from Psalm 44. Cling to the character of God and cry out to him. Cling to Jesus Christ and take refuge in him, hope in him. Let's consider that together from psalm 44 and as i've mentioned already we're going to have to move quickly through a lot of this psalm but i want to break it down into three parts tonight recalling the past reckoning with the present and then third and finally responding in prayer and so let's start with this psalm starts with recalling the past this psalm is a lament and you'll understand why now that you've heard all of it but notice again how this psalm starts. Look again at verses 1 through 3. O oh God, we've heard with our ears, our fathers have told us, what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arms save them, but your right hand and your arm... And the light of your face, for you delighted in them. In this psalm, God's people are struggling and hurting. But what do they do first here as they turn to the Lord? They go to God in praise. They go to him recalling what he's done in the past. God, we have heard some amazing things that you have done in days of old. And they refer to the exodus and the conquest of Canaan. uh, How he drove out nations and planted them. Not by their strength, but by his and by his favor and his love. It's really a beautiful testimony. They know God. They know what he can do. They know what he has done. They know his character. They know some of his great deeds. And did you notice where they learned all of this? In verse 1 from their fathers. The faith was passed down. These stories of God's work was passed down in their families and was learned from those who were older. How many of you could say that? That my father or my mother, uh, my grandmother, my, my grandpa told me of God. I heard that just this afternoon. Someone was saying it was my grandparents that led me to the Lord. Will our children say this of us? Could they say this? We are sinful and flawed, but do they hear the gospel from our lips? Do they hear of the great works of God from us? Do they hear it in this church and from this pulpit and in our classrooms? Well, they go on and they they apply this history... This faith to their own context and their own day. They lay lay hold of the God of their fathers and own him for themselves. Listen to verse 4 and following. You are my king, O God. Ordain salvation for Jacob. Through you we push down our foes. Through your name we tread down those who rise up against us. For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. But you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually and we will give thanks to your name forever. Here's another beautiful expression of faith and, and sound theology. Real truth that they believe and they confess together. They trust a sovereign God. Their faith is not in themselves or their own sword. God is their, their king and their praise and their boast. It's really a, a, a hymn of praise and trust, this first part of the psalm. But what we're going to see is these words of, of praise and looking back become something of an anchor in the storm. An anchor in the storms of, of suffering that these hurting and afflicted people are going through. They're hurting and they're going through trials. And so now they are clinging to God's character and his deeds and his reign. And they're going to him. They're speaking this to him even though they're not feeling it and seeing it right now. And there's so much in this for us to learn. Trials and, and struggles and suffering and apparent conflict in our theology with our experience do not make null and void who God is and what he's done and what he's said. Rather our faith in him is all the more important. It's all the more relevant even though it can seem to conflict with our current experiences. It is then that we need to remind ourselves who he is and what he has done because God is always the same and he always keeps his word and they're fixing their eyes and their hearts on him their lips are speaking the truth about him recalling the past it's as if they're forcing themselves to cling to his character because their present circumstances are so hard to reconcile with what they know They're so difficult to understand. Well, then there's a massive shift in the psalm after verse 8. A massive shift at verse 9 where they begin, and we'll consider this second this evening, reckoning with the present. They've looked at the past, they've been strengthening their faith with what God has done in the past, but then they begin reckoning with the present. Look with me again at verse 9. But you have rejected us and disgraced us and have not gone out with our armies. At verse 9, God's people begin to lay out their burdens and their questions. They lay it out on God. There's been eight verses of vibrant faith and truth, but then you begin to see the bigger picture what's really going on in this word but at the beginning of verse 9 signals a very big change one writer has said that psalms like this many of the psalms are like a release valve for pent-up feelings a release valve for pent-up feelings and you can hear that valve begin to sizzle at verse 9 They've remembered God's victories, his help in the past, but that is not happening anymore. That is not what they're experiencing now. They've been losing and losing badly. God doesn't go out with their armies. They're fleeing and their enemies are collecting their spoil. They've scattered and they've been made like sheep for slaughter. Verse 11. It's so bad they feel like God has sold them off as though they were of little value. Verse 12, you've sold your people for a trifle, demanding no high price for them. Can you feel something of their distress and their struggle? Verses 13 and 16 go on to say that they're now a laughing stock and a disgrace. They're mocked by their enemies and God seems to do nothing. Now this would make more sense if God's people had been caught up in idolatry if they'd been forgetting God if they'd been forgetting his word and his law and rebelling against him but that was not going on at this time listen to what they say in verse 17 and 18 all this has come upon us though we've not forgotten you and we've not been false to your covenant our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. Now, they're not claiming to be sinless. They're not claiming perfection in these verses, but rather general covenant faithfulness. They're saying, God, as far as we know, we're, we're not living in unrepentant sin. We're not living in open rebellion. Now, This didn't happen very often in Israel's history. But apparently at this time they were walking with the Lord. We're actually walking with you right now, God. We're not worshiping idols. And God, if our hearts were wrong, if we had been practicing idolatry, you would know. And that's what they say in verse 20 and 21. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of God would know if they needed discipline in love. But he also knows that at this time they were walking with him in faith. But that made it even more complex and hard for them to understand. Made it harder for them to reckon with their suffering. They were loyal to the Lord. And yet as they say in verse 19, he had broken them. Yet you have broken us in the place of jackals. You see, their their present situation doesn't seem to line up with the God they know. And with his word. And with his promises. And with what he's done in the past. And they're so confused and, and discouraged by all this. They're losing hope. And so they say in verse 25, Our soul is bowed down to the dust our belly clings to the ground but what i don't want you to not miss as they pour all of this out before god is who they're speaking to who are they telling how they feel who are they turning to and going to god they're going to god they're crying out to him they're raising these hard questions and struggles with him, praying to him in song with a raw honesty that is rare today. And the Psalms actually encourage this and demonstrate this and guide us in this. They don't paint this happy veneer over the Christian life. They express both the highs and the lows. They say it how it is. And they're God-centered and theologically precise and believing in doing so. I want you to notice the faith that comes through here, even in these cries and these complaints. They know God is good and sovereign. They know he's behind and involved with all that's going on. And so they keep saying, you, you cast us off. You don't go out with our armies. You make us a byword. You've broken us. If you were to count you or your in this psalm, you would count 30 references to God. They believe that God is sovereign. He's sovereign over the suffering in this life. It is from him, even though it seems unbearable and incomprehensible. He allows and ordains it for his purposes, which we often do not know or understand. And yet we can feel the tension that they feel here. We can confess what they do. God, we've heard of your goodness and grace. We believe it. We've experienced it. God, you are my king. You're my boast, my salvation. But what about this? I don't understand. We may have thoughts like this. God, you say that that children are a blessing and a gift and I have none. Or, God, you say they're a blessing and a gift, and and my child is in rebellion. Or God, you promised to build your church and, and ours is not growing. Or it's struggling, or it's closed. God, you say you've come to give us life and give it to us abundantly, and I'm depressed. I can't overcome this sin or this worry. I can't get out of bed. I have cancer. God, you say that you keep us and you never leave us. But what about this? What about that? What about this tragedy? God, you say that you defend the widow and the orphan, the poor and the needy. But so many are suffering. And we could go on and on wrestling with God's truth and with what we see all around us in this world. And yet God invites this wrestling of faith. He knows. He can handle it. Psalm 44 is his word. And he would have us take this to him as the sons of Korah do here by faith in Psalm 44. Crying out to the Lord, knowing that he knows the secrets of the heart. People of God, be honest. This is is not blaming God in unbelief. This is not attacking him in unbelief. It's wrestling with the truth. It's reckoning with present realities before him and directed to him. An open and honest prayer and faith. Reckoning with the present. Well, the psalm is not over. It actually gets more... Intense. And I want us to consider the closing verses and see them in this responding in prayer. Responding in prayer. Verses 23 and 24 can, can make us uncomfortable, even, even squirm as we hear these words or sing them. But listen to their pleas and their questions in these verses. Awake. Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and our oppression? You can sense the the boldness and the desperation building and almost boiling over toward the end of the psalm as as they demand and question God. Awake! Arise! At first it almost seems inappropriate and blasphemous God wake up get up and the question why do you sleep why do you hide your face why do you forget our affliction these almost seem like accusations they almost seem to to cross the line but these are pleas from those who trust in God and who are beat down and low And desperate, who have nowhere else to turn. They're like the disciples who wake up Jesus in the storm on the boat and say, Don't you care that we are perishing? They need God to act and to rescue and to help them, and they're crying out to Him. They're not denying Him, they're not denying His character, they're not accusing Him. Rather, they are emotionally and emphatically crying out to him for help, praying with a raw honesty, telling God how they really feel, telling God what seems to be the case, even though it's not actually the case. It seems like God is asleep. It seems like he doesn't see, he's hiding his face. It it, it feels like he's rejecting them forever. And maybe you've felt that way before. Maybe you feel that tonight. Well, you're not alone. Uh, there are times when it really does feel like this. When God, for whatever reason, for his reasons, allows his people to feel as though he's hiding his face. Uh, that he's asleep to their situation and their pleas and their needs. And yet we know his word like Psalm 121 verse 4. He who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. The Lord your God goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Now we're going to get to the last verse. But look back at verse 22. They've just said we haven't forgotten your name. God, you would know this. You know the secrets of our heart. And then they say, yet for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. They seem to grasp and, and get a glimpse here what we see more fully in the New Testament, and that is that their suffering, our suffering, being like sheep for the slaughter is for God's sake. It is for God's purposes, mysterious and unknown as they are. And the Apostle Paul actually quotes this very verse, verse 22, in Romans 8, where he is telling us that our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed. Romans 8, 35 through 39 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? As it is written, and here he quotes Psalm 44, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And then it goes on, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ultimately, because of Christ Jesus, we are never, as God's people, we are never rejected We are never separated from his love. Even through the worst suffering. Even when it feels like we are. Now we will suffer. The sons of Korah understand this. Paul understood this. We understand this tonight. We will be like sheep for slaughter at times. Yes. But in all that, God has his purposes. And we will never be lost. We will never be rejected forever. We will never be separated from Christ and his love. The persecution, the suffering we face will not compare with the coming glory and victory of the conquering Christ. The redeeming Jesus. And that's where Psalm 44 leads us and ends. Look again at verse 26. Rise up, come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. Psalm 44 ends abruptly. It ends without everything being resolved. It ends without a record of answered prayer. Triumph and lifting of present circumstances and suffering. It, it, It ends without specific answers to very hard questions. It ends without God's secrets being revealed. Instead, it ends with a plea of faith. A cry for God to act. A cry for God to help and to redeem. By and for his steadfast love. That is his, his saving grace. His special saving love for his people. And do you know how and where this plea is answered? Do you know by whom this cry is answered? Through Jesus Christ. And so they really end up right where they need to be here. Crying to God for redemption. Calling upon God to pay the price to rescue them. Putting their faith in God, rising up to come and help and redeem them, which he would do and he has done in the Lord Jesus Christ. By sending his only son, who would shed his blood as the lamb led to the slaughter, who would redeem them by his shed blood and answer all of their questions and resolve all of their suffering and answer this plea. The cross of Jesus is where the grace and love of God would be poured out in full. That's the cross of Christ, is how God can show mercy to and redeem. And answer the cries of sinners. And that is where he does. And that's where this psalm, this this final plea is ultimately answered. In the person and work of Jesus. And so they've cried out. They're clinging to the character of God. But they're also grasping in faith for God's redemption. Looking ahead to a redeemer. The Christ. And friends, you too must not only cling to God's character and cry out to him, but you must cling by faith to Jesus. Jesus and his cross is the ultimate answer to all of your suffering. That is where you see the beauty and the goodness of God and his character fully revealed. His love and compassion for miserable, suffering sinners. And that is where this plea, this prayer of verse 26 is fully and perfectly answered. And Jesus emerges in almost every line of this psalm. I wish we had more time to consider that tonight. Even from the the first part of the psalm, he knew God fully in all of his acts perfectly from all eternity. Jesus is the king of verse 4, he is the savior of verse 7. He is our boast of verse 8. And he came to earth because of our sin and suffering. He was despised and rejected. He was shamed and mocked, despite never once departing from God's way, being perfectly faithful to God's covenant, never once forgetting God. And ultimately, for God's sake and for the sake of his people, he was a sheep for slaughter rejected and afflicted by god sold for a trifle sold as a slave and god truly hid his face from him as he bore our sins on the cross and as everything grew dark and as jesus cried out my god my god why have you forsaken me brothers and sisters cling to this christ he is the redeemer He is the love and mercy of God. He is the answer to your suffering and to these cries and questions. He knows what it's like to feel as though God is asleep. And has cast him off. And has hidden his face. And not just feel it, but but actually know it and experience it. Fully and truly. When he was under the infinite wrath of God. Suffering for our sin so that God might rise up and help and save and redeem us in his love. Jesus is the most qualified to sing these words. He understands your suffering. He knows about when times God hides his face. And even though he may not remove those times now or how you would like, even though he may not explain it, He ordains it for his sheep and for his sake. And he has come to suffer for you and he will wipe away every tear. He loves you. He redeems you. And through him by faith, your pleas will not fall on deaf ears. Through him, God will not hide his face from you. Through him, your soul will not stay bowed to the dust. But one day, soul and body will be raised from the dust by Jesus. And so sing this in faith. Make these cries and these pleas in faith, looking to Jesus, clinging to the character of your God, crying out to him, clinging to his son, Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you that in Jesus, that you have not hidden your face from us. That you have not poured out your wrath upon us because you hid your face from him in our place on the cross. And Lord, these pleas rise up, come to our help, redeem us. You have answered fully and perfectly in your Son. And so I pray that you would drive our eyes to Him, fix our eyes on Him. I pray that you would teach us to suffer like Him and cry out to you like Him with the hope of redemption in Him knowing that he will come again, that he will wipe away every tear, that he is the resurrection and the life. Father, please help us as pilgrims. Please walk with us in and through our sufferings. Teach us to pray and to cling to you in faith. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.